0: Hi everybody, welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hitzlade. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack, it's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great writers for ATQ, Slurman Matt Court. How you doing? I'm fantastic. Yourself? Uh, not bad, not bad. Good. Um so, uh, lately you have been covering, uh, the start of the, the Oregon women's soccer season. Um, it was sort of a, an interesting out of conference, uh, uh, debut, a lot of ties, uh, an unfortunate loss. Um, actually one of the ties against the Portland pilots, who I think are one of the, you know, historically one of the best teams in the country. Um, right. uh, it was like the tie was more impressive than some, than some of the yeah. wins that Oregon's <laughs> had. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, now they are into conference play. Um, and, uh, I understand that conference play started out pretty well.
1: That's right. Yeah. Oregon, uh, managed to beat, uh, one of, obviously one of our chief rivals. I don't know if it's quite the same in soccer as it is in, uh, football. Nope. It's
0: the same across the board. doesn't matter. If yeah, Oregon had a crew done. team, we would be crashing <laughs> exactly. the boats into U-Dubs.
1: Exactly. Like, they
0: wouldn't so. even compete. They just smash them.
1: Yeah, so so the Ducks had a great uh, 2 to nothing win over Washington at home uh last Friday evening. Uh it was a terrific game. There there was a lot of discussion about the as you mentioned the non-conference schedules that were played by both teams. And Washington came in without a loss into this mm-hmm. game because it was assumed they'd sort of scheduled some pretty easy games in non-conference play. Um, Oregon, on the other hand, had scheduled difficult games. And and one of the things that sort of backfired on them a little bit in doing so is that they had so many injuries uh, in the preseason and in a couple of the early games that the idea was, well, let's schedule a tough non-conference schedule. And that will help us impress enough to get later on into the NCAA tournament. And while they didn't have a bad record during the non-conference season, as you noted, lots of ties, unfortunately... Uh, and, and this season, the NCAA has done away with any tiebreaker system, either penalty kicks or extra time or anything. So if the regulation clock runs out and the score is tied, that just goes in the record book as a tie. Um, I think
0: that changes in postseason play, though, if I recall correctly.
1: It, ha- it has to, yeah, because, uh, you know, in they can't have play, ties in the postseason. Yeah, it's a bracket, basically. So right. if you can't declare a winner, you don't know who's going to play uh, in the next game. So um, so yeah, so that's, uh, that, that will be completely different once, uh, and assuming that Oregon can make it to the postseason, which you which know, we hope we do, but it, it puts extra emphasis, frankly, on the PAC 12 season for the ducks, because they were hoping to do their impressing in the non-conference season. Couldn't really get that done due to injuries and, and a couple other factors probably. So now they've got to rely on impressing in the Pac-12 conference season in order to make it to the NCAAs. And so this win over Washington is important because Washington was ranked, again, due in part, I think, to the fact that they sort of underscheduled themselves to their talent Mm -hmm. during an unconference season. But now coming up this week is the big game, if you will, and it's against number one ranked UCLA uh, again in Eugene. Uh, the Bruins uh, are an awesome soccer team they've been they went back uh, they went back east and they played uh, both Duke and North Carolina which were both very highly ranked top five teams beat them both two to one on the road um, and just beat Cal in their season opener for the Pac-12, four to two. So they've only given up five goals the entire, They played nine games, given up five goals. Their defense is obviously very good. Um, any outcome for Oregon that includes especially scoring a goal, and even if it is a draw, um, that will be a gigantic accomplishment for the Oregon women's soccer team. I don't know if there's any question about it.
0: Uh, how about the team's health? You, you mentioned some injuries. Are they getting any healthier going in conference play?
1: Yeah, they've they've had a couple of players come back. Bell Raleigh came back against the University of Portland uh, in the defense, which is obviously very helpful. Um, and they've had a couple other uh, players start to see a little bit of action. Um Coach uh, talked, Graham Abel talked last week about how the schedule has really been helpful for them in a way because they've had like a week off between games, which means that the the players who normally aren't starters or normally don't play lots of minutes, but who have had to because of all the injuries, have had a chance to get more rest and recovery than they otherwise might have had if you had more games scheduled during that time uh, before the conference play started. So, you know, I think Oregon can only get better as the season goes on because they are going to get some of these other players back. There's no, as you know, they don't, there's not a lot of discussion about what the injuries are or what the timeline is for players to come back. Everybody seems to be either out or day to day. So we'll just have to wait and see if they can bring some of those other uh, players back who are starters from last year who have yet to see the field uh, in some instances, and others that played large roles or were expected to play large roles this year simply haven't been able to play because of injuries. So as those players come back, Oregon should improve uh, as the season goes along.
0: You know, one thing that I've uh, noticed is sort of a consistent theme um, in in your articles about the soccer team is that it seems like Oregon is defending a lot more shots on goal um, than the than the opponent is defending from Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, you know, Oregon is you know has a way higher you know shot made to shot attempted right. ratio. Um, does that reflect really good goaltending out of Oregon, uh, or does that reflect really good shot selection? Like they're, they're only taking a shot when they're sure, uh, you know, of it, or, or what do you, first of all, is that actually a pattern? Um, and second of all, if, if so, you know, what do you think that's about? What are
1: the factors? It is a pattern and you saw it, I think, uh, in spades in the Washington game where, mm-hmm. And I'm not really I don't understand this as a strategy to try to beat Oregon, but Washington took uh, almost all of the shots that they took and they outshot Oregon more than two to one, I believe uh, over the course of the game. Uh, almost every shot Washington took was from twenty five yards away from the goal or more. They took a couple of forty yard shots uh, at Leah Freeman. And it, I mean, that seems honest, crazy. It's not yeah, like you're not,
0: Freeman's a bad goalie either. Like she's you're not going to
1: ca- Yeah. You're not going to catch her, um, wool gathering or something where she's not paying attention to what's happening on the field. And the weird thing about it was that, that Washington just kept doing that during the game they didn't, seems they didn't like that really i'm
0: not the biggest like soccer fan in the universe but like it seems like that's really unproductive because now that's like a turnover in football you know yes in, in real yeah. football i mean like yep. uh right. american like, football as they say yeah football. why uh, no i i know what i said uh <laughs> like w- why what's the strategy what's going on there
1: it's I don't. It's hard to say because they never Washington never sort of completely pulled back from that strategy, and went with something different. And that's one of the things that we saw in the Portland game was Oregon particularly changed strategies uh, between different parts of the game depending on what the University of Portland defense was giving them. If Washington were looking at what happened in the first half of that game, they should have realized, hey, this. We're never going to score like this. We've got to figure out a way to work the ball in closer before we take these shots. And while they did a little bit of that as the game rolled on, it it clearly was not a focus because they continued to take these very long shots, hoping, I assume, that Freeman would slightly misplay one and they'd get some kind of a rebound opportunity or uh, that, that one would slide by her somehow accidentally. Um, where, you know, if if the conditions had been bad, if if it had been, um, you know, raining, for example, like when the Ducks went back to New York, you've got a better chance of a weird bounce or a a skip that gets past the goalie. But that was not going to happen. I mean, the turf was in fantastic condition uh, for the Washington game. So I just didn't see I, I really could not understand, and especially after falling down one to nothing relatively early in the game, um Washington just continued to to use an unproductive strategy going forward I I don't understand it and the only thing I can and and it's hard to imagine given their season record even though the teams they might have been playing in non-conference weren't the greatest teams they clearly were able to score goals and they they were able to move the ball into a, a position to score and they just could not do that against Oregon now to be fair Freeman made a couple of excellent saves. There's one of them in the article uh, very late in the game where she tipped a ball over the bar. But, you know, most of the shots, frankly, were not the kind that you would expect to score.
0: And on the other side of the field, is Oregon, am I to read these stats correctly to believe that Oregon is being much more selective about their shots and that's why their shot made to shot
1: attempted ratio is much higher? Some of it is that, but some of it also is when you're trying to work the ball in towards the goal, there's that much more opportunity for the defense to block a shot, to steal the ball, to, um, you know, get more players in the defensive end to to prevent a pass to closer to the goal or something like that. So, um, you know, Oregon has done a, a pretty good job of trying to work the ball up. They don't always have a high-quality final pass that would lead to a goal. Sometimes we saw this in the game the other night against Washington sometimes the a cross will come in and it's just six inches too high for the player to get her head on the ball or uh, it's it's um, you know just a little too far ahead uh, on a lead pass and the ball rolls too far on the defender or the in some cases the goalie and Washington's goalie did this a couple of times where she she very aggressively came out when the ball was coming down into the Washington penalty area and was able to to get to the ball before Uh, The Oregon player uh, could. Rest pass is the one, uh, Ajane rest pass is the one that Mm. is typically on the end of a lot of these lead passes, where if she can get there first, she's (laughs) going to be a threat to score every time because she's very good with the ball. But so it's just a matter. And some of this, I think, goes back again. I hate to keep relying on this, but goes back to this injury thing where you've got tons of players who aren't necessarily used to playing with each other, and they don't Know exactly how somebody wants to receive a pass in a scoring position, so sometimes you end up with a pass that's not that helpful for you as a a person that's going to score. Try to score a goal. Uh, It's not on the right foot. It's not in the right spot. It's too far, and you're leaning the other direction or something. Uh, That kind of communication. It's more difficult when you've got players that have not played a lot together.
0: We'll root for uh, the decks to get healthier. Um, they're certainly going to need it going up against, uh, you know, UCLA uh, this Thursday, uh, seven o'clock, uh, um, and uh, and then the follow up game against the other Los Angeles team, USC. They play on uh, the following Sunday uh, at noon. Um, it never rains uh, on Papé Field. Uh, right. Exactly. So er- Should it everybody- be a beautiful day everybody uh, go out and and cheer on the Ducks against the la teams on thursday and on sunday uh those games also should be on the pac-12 network although you might need to stream them um all right uh let's take a break uh we come back uh we'll talk about oregon football's game against wazoo Storms, you watch this game (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I did. As a matter of fact, I had to because I was covering it for the site. That's
0: right. You actually wrote up a really fantastic uh, post-game article. Um, oh, thanks. Really, you know, breaking down, uh, you know, exactly how the game proceeded. I, I felt like it was uh, very detailed, maybe a little too detailed. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, really excellent. Um, what jumped out at you?
1: Well, I, some one of the things I think that you mentioned in your article today, which was important, was the sort of flip-flop and success that the ducks had in the red zone especially the as i think you called it the deep red zone um in the first uh, half the, the
0: low red second, zone
1: the low red zone in the in the first half versus the second half uh it was you know i'm sure very frustrating for duck fans to watch the offense try to operate you know when you've got a first down at the five or a first down at the two or something uh it, it's not that common for an Oregon team to fail to score a touchdown over the last however many years. Um, And so trying to, you know, watching that was extremely frustrating. And I think there was a lot of complaining, certainly in the game thread about the kinds of plays that were called and which you also pointed out in your article about given the defensive set, in some instances, these were not the right place to call.
0: Yeah, that, that was, um, a real surprise. I mean, it was a surprise to me because, you know, a lot of times my whole job as a film analyst is to sort of like, okay, this is the narrative that emerged like during the game or during the game thread. Um, but like upon reviewing the film, I find that that's really overstating things mm-hmm. or, you know, it's more nuanced for that or whatever. But like, nope, in this particular instance, the fans were 1000% correct. It was, you know, uh, not all a couple of them. I feel like Wazoo just, you know, they, they just out executed Oregon, which like that's mm-hmm. going to happen, you know, sometimes. Yeah. But a significant number of them were just like, that is not an optimal play call. Um, at in you know in this field position at this point in the game against this defense, um, and uh, and then it was remarkable. Uh, in the second half, that stuff all goes away. You know, like Dillingham. Like it, it really is the case that Dillingham seems to have. Recognized that those were suboptimal play calls and stopped calling them. Or in one case, he called uh, actually a fairly similar play, but I think he was probably aware that it would be it was more likely to succeed in this instance because it was like a minute and twenty seconds left in the game. Wazoo was really fatigued, and you can you know I put both of those clips in my article. the Mm -hmm. the The first time around, when it didn't succeed, and it doesn't succeed because Wazoo gets off the snap so fast that they get outside leverage against the blockers. And then the second time around, when it does succeed where you know, was, they're just tired. They're just not getting yes. off the snap nearly as fast and that's their advantage, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like simply, you know, father time had, uh, had, had slayed, you know, Wazoo for the ducks, uh, through, through the force of fatigue. And, uh, and so, you know, the ducks were able to leverage their the, their talent advantage. And it's like, and I, I put that in the smart category too, you know, for, mm-hmm. for not, you know, abandoning a play that in this circumstance, you know, might be successful. Um, and indeed was, uh, so like yeah i think we actually got to watch a young offensive coordinator who's like 31 years old um i think we actually got to watch him grow up in the booth like yeah.
1: hey yeah it was it you know the 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 good news is two things one in the last i don't know not every year but the last few years there's been a lot of concern in the fan base about things like halftime adjustments mhm where we, the Ducks would come out in the second half and then basically trying to be executing the same things that didn't work well in the first half, if that was the case. This showed an ability of the staff to completely change what they were doing or to recognize how to continue doing it, but to do it just that little bit better that would allow it to succeed. And secondly, one of the things that was discussed about the running game in the fall camp, before any game was played, was the idea of having fresh legs on their backs, uh, running backs, going into later in the game and how eventually they thought they'd be able to wear a defense down. And there it was. That's why, I mean, sure. they didn't use the, the whole stable of backs that they have available, but they certainly had reasonably fresh legs, fresher legs certainly than the Washington State defense did going into the late part of the game.
0: Yeah, and and also that halftime adjustment thing, I I it it's not quite halftime when it happens, but it's late in the second quarter where Oregon starts to be able to defend Wazoo's screen game um a lot better. Uh in fact, um you know, I it's I, I think it's I it's the final um video segment in my article uh where um uh the 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 first five screens that Wazoo throws Wazoo succeeds on four of them Oregon only only beats him on one uh, of the first five but then and then like the fulcrum one is that you may remember this one. It's the uh it's when Wazoo throws a screen pass, but like the the ball is caught beyond the line of scrimmage. And so therefore it's um the, the blocking, which would otherwise be legal if it were caught behind the line of scrimmage, it converts into OPI and the refs shockingly caught it uh and and that one knocks them back that's that's more like wazoo executing improperly rather than oregon defending it but whatever it starts the streak of uh, of flipping it around where whereas the first five the ducks lost four the last seven the ducks won six you know Mm -hmm. like it goes from um losing all but one to winning all but one right um so like yeah man and and you can you know i put in the clip and 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 you can see it i I tried to narrate it as best i can so it's somewhat technical and and i wish i had better you know video or i knew how to use better video editing software um uh, to to really like point it out i I have i try to do it narratively but anyway um the uh, uh uh yeah you can see the way if you look closely the way that oregon is altering its olb alignment and like i didn't put the clip in my articles it was so memorable I figured i didn't need to everybody would would just remember it um plus the broadcast cut the snap off but anyway um of the you know what a payoff for that uh, that screen game which had been so effective for wazoo something they really relied on and they were effective on you know 80 percent of the time the first five times they ran it to be their doom you know because mace funa yes. Because he's the OLB whose alignment gets changed as Oregon makes this adjustment (laughs) to, to pay it off, you know, by, by picking it off and getting the defensive score that seals the win for Oregon. It was just like, it was so poetic. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. You know, and is another example of the Oregon coaching staff, you know, smarting it up, you know, in the middle of the game, which like, yeah, as you say, very encouraging.
1: Yeah. It was, it was the other thing that was great about it is, um, and I think I might've made this, Comment somewhere, uh, maybe in the in the uh, pregame article or or a game thread article, that you know one of Oregon's weaknesses has been uh, short the short defending the short passing game. They've had mm-hmm. a lot of trouble with, uh, and, and this doesn't mean that everybody's going to get a first down every time they run this play, but there's a ton of these little slant passes and mm-hmm. dinks and dunks and all kinds of stuff like that that Oregon has really struggled to defend. And it was so it was fantastic to see such a success rate in that same area that had previously, uh, at least in my mind, been kind of a weakness for for previous teams, at least, if not this current one.
0: Well, I I actually have a different take than that slurms the uh, the. The, I actually thought Wazoo was that, was fairly effective at that, and I actually put a, I think a, a clip or two in my article of like Oregon, you're not defending this properly, and it's the one thing that they actually do well in, in a like a in a fundamental football sense. What what really Wazoo did well was pull off a trick plays, b. <laughs> um you know miracle scramble plays in c um get penalties like apparently they have very punchable helmets um <laughs> those things aren't you know succeeding in fundamental football those things are succeeding by other means none of which are like illegal i'm not accusing wazoo of cheating or anything it's just like if you look you know that that's the noise that i have to cut through in order to do my job right like you know my job is to is to document fundamental strengths and weaknesses and on a fundamental level you know oregon was much stronger than wazoo across all four quadrants of football but the one that wazoo was actually you know good at um it, it, and and Cam Ward, their quarterback, is that's the, you know, one of the few tools in his toolkit that, that he's very, very effective at and makes Wazoo a dangerous team is exactly those like short, you know, slam passes. And like it's the other thing is that it's very clear from the film. And if you look at um Bill Connolly's like advanced box score, which um uh, should have been a duck posted in the comment section of uh, my article um that like you know Oregon was not really blitzing that much was was usually only bringing four sometimes only three you know rushers and really backing out the defense like they trusted the back half of their coverage and they trusted you know Oregon to get pressure with only four and both of those things you know were the case uh you know or or were it, it was correct to trust them to do that because they held up their end of the bargain Oregon did not give up deep passes at all at all there was you know other than those three trick plays None of Wazoo's passes traveled more that were caught traveled more than ten yards through the air, except for that you know the very last one in garbage time. I'm not counting that one. Um, uh, yeah, so like the you know. Yes, you know, and that's part of like Wazoo's strategy is to march you know, or that, you know, really all air raids do that. Like it's sort of a, you know, old school Stanford ground and pound, just not through. The, it's like air and pound. I don't know. It's it's a ball control offense. They use all right. 40 seconds of the play cock. A couple of plays, maybe a second over that. Uh, and, you know, they really want to hold the ball for a really long time and they really want to methodically march down the field. And like they really want you to get sick of it and you know bring your safeties up and try to stop that and that's when they hit you over the top and Oregon wasn't taking the bait um and 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 like and basically, Oregon calls the bluff. They say, "Look, I don't think you have it in you to march down the field without assistance for 15 plays to score, you know, this touchdown." And basically, Oregon was correct. You know, Wazoo only ever scored. They only scored three touchdowns in this game. Keep in right. mind, like they have a garbage time score and they have a pick six, but in terms of touchdowns that they actually, you know, quote unquote, earned. There's only three of them, and on all three of them, they get a first down from an Oregon penalty. They have a scramble that converts a first down that was like that should have been a sack, but instead it was a first down, crazy. And uh, you know, and, and they have a trick play, um, right. like that. That's the kitchen sink, you know. Like Wazoo got all of that going for him, um, and they still only got three touchdown drives out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because basically Oregon's defensive strategy was, I'm not saying that they let them have those short passes, but they, you know, that because that's not true. They tried to defend them. Um, but I am saying that, like, where they identified the threat was, was preventing plays from going explosive, and they effectively executed at that level. And so, like... You know something you know you only have 11 players you know like right what what wazoo is praying for is i'm not accusing you of being bad strategist slurms uh here but uh, <laughs> uh that might be the inference that a, a more negative-minded listener could infer from what i'm about to say like taking the that bait being like i'm sick of this i'm sick of all these slant passes i'm gonna bring three safeties down and stop this like that's what wazoo wants um, mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what they want you to screw up so that they can then, you know, throw a little tunnel screen that otherwise that safety would be positioned to come down and stop after only like an eight yard gain. Now it goes for 40 yards because that's what happened to Wisconsin that like go back and watch the Wisconsin film. They, they took a couple of those, you know, passes real big because Wisconsin took the bait and, you know, Oregon didn't want to sniff that cheese. So, mm-hmm. you know, good for the ducks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
1: Well, what yep. I want to see is the, I mean, the linebackers be better in coverage is basically well, what it comes down to. It's, and yeah. and, I, it, and they, I i agree, you've got to, it, it's been, one of the things that Oregon, I think, has tried to do on defense over the years is not get beat deep, not get beat over the top. Yep. And there's been a ton of, you know, complaining about. I mean, it's about, generally the correct strategy. Right. You know, like, yeah, because, it, yeah, for a variety of reasons, including a momentum play. For the sure. other team, those big explosion plays. Really- I mean, look
0: what Oregon did to Wazoo. You know, like if you mm-hmm. were a Coug fan, think how that must have felt. Yeah. To, yeah to, for Bo Nix to be touchdown. like, yeah. you know, there's not a finger on him and there's receivers running wide open and he's hitting 50 yard passes yeah. like. You know, Duck fans, hard for you to remember how that feels, right? Because, you know, (laughs) the Oregon Ducks defenses, for better or worse over the years, have adopted that strategy and said, you know, I dare you to march all the way down the field. And sometimes they're able to do it, but most of the time they're not. And usually that's because, you know, if you prolong the game like that and and force opponents to march down the field you know the more plays there are in the game the more opportunities there are for talent to assert itself and 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 that's what you know that's the 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 low talent team takes the high variance approach by, by having fewer plays in the game because the fewer plays there are, the more likely that one weird play, um, you know, breaks the game open, you know, in their favor. The high talent team takes the low variance approach that requires, you know, so like let's compare it to another sport, basketball, right? How many shots on goal are there in a basketball game? Hundreds. Right. You know, like basketball is a pretty low variance game because generally the team that shoots better wins the game, you know. Uh, and generally the team that, you know, and defense is not about you never make a basket. It's about I am going to slow your scoring rate from, you know, 55 percent to 49 percent. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, my scoring rate will be at 56 percent. And therefore, you know, I defeat you like because that's a it's a low variance game due to a high number of, you know, of plays, so, you know. And so getting back to football, you know where you have a massive talent disparity as you have in this game where Oregon is like the number one most talented team in the conference and Wazoo is like number two like least talented like Oregon wants to make it a high variance game they want them to be a lot of plays and so they challenge the opponent to march down the field it's generally the correct strategy I know there's like really high level games theory stuff and it's not everybody's bag and a lot of people are sort of like emotionally you know not cool watching the ducks you know give up you know dink and duck down the field but like I am telling you from, you know, games theory perspective, get used to it. As long as the Oregon is the most talented team in the conference, it is the logical thing to do on defense. What you do not want to do is give up big, you know, think about how you felt when Oregon gave up those big, you know, trick plays and you felt humiliated. You, you want that to happen more often and from things that aren't just, you know, silly trick plays like,
1: yeah, right. absolutely not. Yeah. Well, and you could it also, you know, you publish uh, as part of your articles the percentages of successes versus failures for both the offenses and defenses and it makes sense that if you force an opponent to march down the field and they're failing on 45 percent of the plays that they're running or third or 40 percent of the plays that they're running you've got a good higher you chance. know with
0: or- in this game it was they were failing right. yeah, like, def- if, if your defense is better right yeah, if right. your
1: defense is better you've got an even higher failure rate which means it's even more difficult for a team to take eight or nine or 10 or 11 plays to get all the way down the field and have the, enough of them be successful that they can do that without failing on a third down. Right.
0: And it's also why it's really important to cut to cut out drive extending penalties, you know, because like, yes. that, you know you earned that you, you earned that stop and then you gave it away, you know, trying to get for, you know, like if, if you're close enough to the quarterback to make him throw a bad throw, then you've won. It right. gets That's you nothing. It, it gets you nothing to continue it and, and whack him in the face. That does isn't, You've already obscured his vision and, you know, almost certainly forced him into a bad throw like, right. you know, or like if you force the quarterback to scramble like he's not going to scramble for a touchdown. You know, there's with the exception of maybe Dorian Thompson Robinson. um You know, like if he's scrambling, somebody's going to tackle him and he's going to get maybe six yards. You know, it's Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying I love Oregon giving up six yards, but like it's that's part of the strategy. You do not need to go all out and risk a targeting penalty. You know, you know, you've you've already won the instant he starts running. Yes. Just, you know, make a normal tackle. Um, because within the framework of, of the, 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 your, your, your strategic defensive philosophy, you've already won. Don't, don't, you know, then fall on your sword.
1: Um, you know, do, do, do not win Pyrrhic victories. Um, Yeah. yeah, well, it's an aggressive game and I'm sure, you know, all these defensive linemen or blitzing linebackers or blitzing safeties, they're anxious to lay a shot on somebody. No, i sure. some t- sometimes the emotion I'm sure just gets the better of them and they know they shouldn't do those things they shouldn't hit somebody with the crown of their helmet they shouldn't put their hands in the guy's face mask as he's as he's uh, trying to to uh, throw the ball but and, it's, and even
0: if yeah. and even if you think those were improper flags which you know reasonable people can disagree on those questions right. like sure. why are you giving the ref the opportunity to throw the flag yes you know right. like there's no it gets you there's no reason to even give them the opportunity
1: yeah, if they don't, if they don't throw the flag, you you may be marginally better off, but but you've risked something in order to gain that you know slight advantage.
0: And I mean, I, I do like you know, discerning readers can probably detect in my article that I you know I, I charted you know what. Whenever there was an opportunity to throw a flag on Oregon, they threw a flag on Oregon. And whenever there was an opportunity to throw a flag on Wazoo, let's just say it was not 100%. Right? Um, Yeah.
1: It's just shocking to me. Was it it that there were no holding calls on either team? Correct. The entire game. That's amazing. I wonder how many games you could say that of.
0: Well, you know what? what? Other game (laughs) didn't have a single holding penalty uh, on the same day. Uh, it no. also took place in the state of Washington. Uh, it was yeah. the Stanford versus Washington game, really. Um, and uh, you know, I can tell you, I think, um, I, I think there were a couple of opportunities for. <laughs> for- for those well, some flights. people say there's
1: a holding penalty on every play if you, you, know, with, if, you know if if that
0: were if that worked that is not true and if <laughs> no, it I'm were sure it true isn't. you should see people putting up clips of it all the time and you yeah. don't you know the right. only person who ever puts up clips you know that puts their money where their mouth is to say this was holding and this wasn't um is the film reviewer and uh well there's not a lot of us right all right That's let's true. take a break um uh, when we come back, uh, we will uh, talk a little bit about Oregon's upcoming opponents. So, uh, next game is Stanford. Uh, have you watched any Stanford football games, Slurms?
1: Uh, I watched a little bit of their game against Washington the other night. Uh, Not
0: what have you much. thought? What have you thought about Stanford so far? Um,
1: they, uh, you know, what I saw of it, they had real trouble. Um, moving the ball, I thought. Um, I believe while I was watching, they only scored uh, seven points.
0: Hmm.
1: And uh, And it was not it did not look impressive to me. Um, you know, I don't know if they're. That, that
0: touchdown drive looked very impressive to me. Yeah. And like, I'm kind of scared of T- Tanner McKee. Like, for, it's weird because yeah. Tanner McKee, I think, is actually a really good quarterback. Like, I really think he actually has a real bright NFL future. You know, if he ever gets, you know, coaching staff that's not moribund and an offensive line that's just, you know, been really poorly developed protecting mm. him, like, I really think he's got serious NFL talent. I might even go so far as to say, as an NFL ready prospect, I think he might be the best wow. in the pack. 12 but like you'd never know it from yeah. looking at Stanford box scores mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have,
1: are they uh has Stanford i don't know how much You've obviously done some of your at least some of your film. Well, that
0: so that's the weird thing. They've only played three games so far. They had a, right. a bye week, week three, and then their oh. first game was an FCS game against Colgate. And they weren't running their offense in that game, right. they were running this sort of like very vanilla, you know, thing. But they stole their offense from Wake Forest, that slow mesh stuff, and mm-hmm. they didn't break it out until week two against USC. Then they no. didn't have a game in week three, and then you know, they just play. So I've only got two games of film on this team. Um, this is going to be like a weird article for me to write because like my sample size and both games, you know, they, they ultimately got blown out. And so I only have like, you know, partway through the third quarter, you know, for both of those games. So I like I barely have one full game worth of film. On <laughs> and, and nothing, nothing. From, and this is week five.
1: Year. Yeah, and nothing from last year is useful. Because yeah they, they exactly switch, i mean
0: like there. some of it like they still can't i formation run but they've only done that a couple of times you know like yeah exactly um i mean i have a bunch of impressions about this team and i've been watching most of these players for for several years they're only playing i think two uh, players that i would describe as like brand new who i haven't you know seen before mm-hmm. um but like yeah and so like but Yeah, to your point, like a lot of this is going to be sort of like my gut, you know, my feeling that's been developed over the years about these guys. Um, And plus, like they haven't changed their coaching staff at all. I believe they're one of only two stabs in the in the country that made zero coaching changes. Um, So, uh so, yeah, like I, I I feel like I'm still on fairly firm ground in describing this team, you know, when I write my article for Friday. Mm-hmm. But still, it's going to be weird. So I really I've got like a game and a quarter worth of, <laughs> you know, film yeah. on them going into week five. It's nutty.
1: Wow. Well, what about on the defensive side of the
0: ball? Oh, they're terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, I mean, yeah. They have a ton of
1: points the other night. It was just yeah. like. Doing? and like
0: i really don't i like I, this is the first game that i watched on washington like i didn't watch any of their non-conference games like i when i say didn't watch i mean like a, i didn't even turn on them on on the television right much less do film study um and uh um, just because i was watching something else during the msu game and then they wound up blowing out msu and so i never like by the time i was free to, or i had a screen free to turn it on uh, it was not a competitive game it wasn't like i was right. boycotting them or anything was just how you're gonna, yeah,
1: out. you're not gonna learn anything from right. it by turning it on yeah things.
0: and then and oregon plays washington uh, so late in the season i think yes. it's like the third to last game that like you know i, I you know, I, it's not like I need extra eyes on that team. I'm going to have a ton of eyes on them just over the normal course of charting their opponents. Um, right. So anyway, like I hadn't watched Washington until today when I did film study on that game at lunchtime. And like I'm I'm kind of not a believer in that team. I, I, I like I, I there's Penix left a lot of yards on the, on the table, um, so to speak. Uh, like I, you know, if I if i needed to write an article about washington based on the one game that i have on them it would not be a very complimentary article mm-hmm. right now um now maybe that changes you know by the time they play them in late november you know that there's all the room in the world for that to change so like i don't want to lock in any impressions right now um and that's actually a big challenge for me as a, as a film reviewer is to like because this happens all the time that i watch a team early in the season and then like they've become a different team by the end of the season and i sure. really have to. You know, like having like oh, I already determined what I think about you, and so I you know, just, and then watching all the films about prison. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, so I really, really, really am doing my best to resist that, and so I don't really want to say much in order, you know, just psychologically to keep myself from like locking that in um, sure. and, and set and having cognitive distance set in. <laughs> but I will say, I don't really even though like washington i believe has the like the number one passing offense in terms of total passing yards um right now like i don't i i don't really i I was not super thrilled um with that I, i wasn't watching and thinking like this is super scary i do think they have a couple of very good wide receivers um and i do think that penix you know is decent at hitting them like he's not a goober or anything but like like right. i said you know i was i thought that the washington left a lot of yards on the table they could have blown stanford out by the by the middle of the second quarter but like they had a whole lot of empty possessions in that game um And and not for, like, easily describable stuff like, you know, Oregon's red zone problem against Wazoo. It was just like, Mm -hmm. no, this is like weak fundamental football. You are misplacing that ball or not seeing the open guy, you know, stuff like that. Like, which, again, I'm not trying to form an opinion on Washington. I'm just saying that, like, that's how weak Stanford is. Like, they they were getting destroyed and they weren't even getting destroyed by, like, you know, Washington's not Georgia. You know, like... you know, so. Um, so, yeah, you know their, their defense is atrocious. In fact, well, hey, why don't I just read you some stats? That's good radio, right? Uh, sure. Through through <laughs> through two games and I'm not going to get you know, any more data on them. So these are exactly the numbers that are going to appear in my article. Um, Stanford is only 41 percent efficient defending the pass. Um, thirty wow. percent of passes go for uh fifteen plus yards. They are giving up eleven yards per pass attempt, uh, which is like every time you throw the ball, you get a first down.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, let's just throw it I on can, every down, baby.
0: Yeah, and then <laughs> amazingly, their rush defense is worse. Their rush defense, what? Their rush defense is twenty two point six percent efficient. the The actual numbers Yikes. are they have failed to defend. 24 rushing plays they have succeeded in defending seven. Oh god stanford has so few successful rushing plays that i can barely put a video together <laughs> it's so bad yeah, if you use if you use four that's more than half of their successful defenses oh <laughs> I know, it's like, I guess this is representative. How could it not be?
1: (laughs) It's It's almost everything.
0: I know, it's so, and really it just comes down to like, they just, they have so fundamentally failed to recruit and retain players in their defensive line that like they are playing, they call it, a four, three defense, they are lying about it. It is really best understood as a two down lineman, two OLB, two ILB system. Um, so, you know, call it a two, four. Um, and then for substantial portions of the, of both games, they went to what I would describe as a one five defense in which oh. it's one down lineman, three OLBs on the line two aisle, you know, the same two ILBs behind them um, like that's They they have three scholarship defensive linemen. They can't afford to put them all in the field at the same time when the opponent goes to a heavy set, you know, when they put like two tight ends in the field, their solution is just to put in a third ILB and maintain the same, you know, uh two down linemen, two OLB structure in the front. And like, they just can't, they just can't stop any runs coming at them. They just don't have the the beef at all, Mm -hmm. like to stop, Mm -hmm. you know, anything. Um,
1: Yeah. it's, who's the one, who's the one down lineman? Is it, is it a uh, number 40 sizable no. nose tackle no. type or no? not even that? Not even that.
0: I no. mean, their wow. defensive linemen are not terrible. Like I, I don't think they're like a joke or anything. Um, but, it, and if they were playing in a true four down system, um, or if they were, if they were playing, if they were, this system is supposed to be a three, four. That's what Lance Anderson runs. Um, I don't really think Lance Anderson is, is a good, um, defensive coordinator, but like he has been recruiting for a 3-4, um, which really means, Well, basically, a system similar to what Oregon is doing right now, where it's a nose tackle, two decent-sized defensive ends, um, an outside linebacker, sometimes a second outside linebacker, and then a couple of inside linebackers. So it's supposed to be a structure that's fairly similar to Oregon. The problem is they have zero nose tackles, like at all, Mm -hmm. and they've only got three guys who are that kind of, you know, the DEs. Now, uh, you know, to, to get back to those three, I don't think they're bad you know, they're pretty good um, or not pretty good, but like they're, they're not really what the problem is. The problem is it's a three, four structure that doesn't have a nose tackle and can't rotate their ends. And so they have to play like a two or sometimes even one down front because otherwise the, you know, those, the, they, if they tried to put three down linemen on every play, they would just, they'd be, dead by the end of the second quarter yeah, they would right. you know like cal tried to do that in 2020 when they were really re- hit by covid problems and like you saw what the problems were like they, they just couldn't they, they had to play the same three down linemen on every single snap and it was just they were getting annihilated um because sure. they were just you know pure exhausted so stanford has chosen not to have that problem but the problem that they've chosen to have instead is just they don't have enough beef in the box and so you can run all over them and like it's probably what Oregon's going to wind up doing like I mean frankly you know I wouldn't be surprised at all if Oregon just turns into like a triple option team for this game and (laughs) and, you know because like McKee is scary enough that like Just keeping the ball, like, which ironically would be like beating Stanford using Stanford 2011 strategy. Right. (laughs) You know, like, that that might actually be a fun review article to write next Tuesday if they wind up doing that. It's just like the, you know, the the Oregon Cardinal, you know.
1: Right. (laughs) Well, it's funny how that was, I mean. The the strategy that you recommended against Washington State was basically that. I mean, a, lots of running and keeping the ball away yeah. from Washington State until um, they
0: fell into a big hole and then they had to really well, yeah. throw the ball. And
1: then then you've got to you know do something different. But um, it'd be interesting to play two teams in a row where the preferred strategy is just to play ball control, roll down the field uh, with the running game and score touchdowns and dare them to you know come back on you.
0: Well, it wouldn't be two games in a row because, you know, it would be – you know, that's what they did to BYU and it's what they did to no, Eastern true, Washington yeah. as well and frankly, you know, they were actually moving the ball pretty effectively that way against Georgia and guess what? Game 6 is going to be against Arizona and I can tell you right now, they can't defend the run. <laughs> In fact you know, it was actually really funny doing film study on the North Dakota State game because it was like oh look, a team that also likes to run the I-formation and gets 6 yards every single play. Hmm, you know, so I think you might see that against them Uh, like, yeah man, like wow. the, the idea that this strategy is over and done with, and they just trotted it out for one game. Nah, man, it might be the default. Um, Well, they can do it. I mean, that's
1: the good news is that you know, they've shown the ability to, to get yardage that way.
0: Um, The other thing that I'll say about this, uh, you know, both this Wazoo game and sort of the Stanford game that's coming up is that like, um, uh, um, Wazoo had surprisingly better cornerback play than we are accustomed to seeing out of Wazoo um, over the last ten years, and I really just think that's you know because one guy got got good in his senior year, mm-hmm. Derek Langford, mm-hmm. um, and Oregon wasn't really throwing against him that much. In fact, if you you know watch the film as as I do, that like really Oregon was doing pretty much exactly what I told him to do last Friday. Cause I know that, you know, landing at all, read all my articles religiously. Right. Of course. Um, which was like hit their linebackers, hit their safeties. Cause that's where the weak spot is. And like Oregon wasn't really throwing the ball down the sideline. Um, mm-hmm. you know, against the cornerbacks just cause you know, they, well, that's just you know it was it was there were better options to them in the middle of the right. field. I'll, I'll Take guess what
1: I'm the defense will give you.
0: Yeah, or or what the more you know more likely throw is. You know it's not it's not like I think that they could if they had to beat Langford. You know because they absolutely had to pick up a forty yard pass right now. I think that they could probably do it. Um, but like you know why when Th- Thornton is standing in the middle of the field in the middle of their deep hole in the middle of their defense, which is you know i mean it's like comma there's like 30 for 30 yards there's like a, a 30 yard circle in which all these cougs are are surrounding him and staring at him and no one in the middle <laughs> of that circle you know it's like why okay hit that pass you know yeah, anyway seriously. so to stanford which is what the segment is supposed to be about like stanford i think has one of the better cornerbacks in the league um, uh, Caillou, Blue Kelly. um, um And he was actually doing a pretty good job, you know, not perfect, but he was doing a pretty good job of defending. um, And and USC has obviously really good receivers and Washington has a couple of really good receivers and Blue Kelly, not perfect, was but was doing a pretty decent job of taking those guys away. Um, The rest of Stanford secondary is not great. Um, And so I sort of think that this will be another era game in which, you know, the same thing um, happens where like, you know, if they had to be Caillou Blue Kelly on a play, could they? You know, yeah, I, I think that, you know, there's a good shot of doing that. But like, you probably aren't going to need to. You you know, they're probably going to find the middle of the field wide open. You know, there it's in and so I sort of expect that um, pattern will will again um, continue. The um, the. And then the last thing I'll say about Stanford, and then I think we'll, we'll knock it off for this week, um, is that like, uh, their run game is, well, it's unfortunate. First of all, the, they uh, coach Shaw announced today that EJ Smith, Emmett Smith's son, um, will be unavailable for the rest of the season. So I only got to watch him in one game, which was against USC. He wasn't available against Washington and he apparently will not be available against Oregon for the rest of the season, which sucks. Um, cause I think he's a pretty good running back. Um, and I think that his, uh, backup, uh, guy named Philkins, uh, ain't bad, you know, I don't really, you know, he's not going to light the world on fire, but if the hole is there, he knows how to run through it. In fact, I'm going to have a couple of clips in my article of like him, you know, like having the patience to be like, oop, that hole's not there, but this one is, and zoop, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, do that thing. So yeah, good for him. Um, his backup is a walk on. Um, so that's, you know, a real problem. Um, for them. And and then here's the other thing that sort of like makes this difficult um, is that like USC um usc's defense sucks like i'm sorry it just uh, they're good at one thing which is generating turnovers and i don't even know how sustainable that is but like they are bad in fact i put out a tweet of them like where it's five different runs by both of the backs by smith and filkins stanford versus usc Mm -hmm. um in which like it should be obvious even to layman that USC's rush defense structure has no outside contain. And all you need to do is bounce the ball outside and you, you like automatically pick up 12 yards. And so like, this is, if there's in my last couple of preview articles, I've sort of been hedging my bets about, you know, but BYU and Wazoo both where I was like, Ooh, their, you know, number at this is, pretty good but i'm kind of skeptical because i don't think their opponents were you know i think that a large part of that was just their opponents weren't very good at the you know the opposite thing um and then oregon plays them and destroys them at it and you know my skepticism is borne out and so i i think probably that for the third consecutive week i will do something similar and the particular occasion will be stanford's rushing attack it's the one quadrant football in which they're above water. Um, It's only barely it's 21 successes versus 19 failures. Um, But with like a um, uh, 17.5% explosive rate, which is, you know, runs the gain 10 plus yards, um, which is an above average number um, and, and a slightly above average, you know, efficiency number. But I think even that is inflated by, you know, USC and Alex Grinch, their defensive coordinator, just being like, just he sucks. Like, I'm sorry. Like he just does. And, and like, and so I feel like Oregon's rush defense is going to perform better than, um, than 47.5%. Um, I, 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 I find it difficult to believe that Stanford will rush, um, at the same level of effectiveness as they did against USC and, uh,
1: Washington. Um, yeah, well, Phil- sort filkins of- had a five yard average. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a five yard average against the Huskies. Right. And but people
0: are going to say that that when that happens, or if that happens, I suppose I shouldn't be so arrogant. Um, but if that happens, people are going to say, oh, so sad. That's, you know, that's Emmett Smith, you know, not being there. Or right. I'm sorry, EJ Smith. Um, and I'm going to be here saying like, first of all, he wasn't available against Washington. Mm. And second of all, like, uh nah, that you know that that's because USC's defense just sucked so bad at defending outside runs like just really really sucks hard in like I don't know man like uh, you know if Oregon winds up playing USC in the title game which like let's let's cross our fingers that you know that yes. happens and and let's not you know count our chickens before they're hatched but like you asked me you know if I would make another prediction another week in a row that Oregon would just run 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 the ball a whole lot um man it might go all the way to the end of the year <laughs> you know it might go all the way into december in in yeah. las vegas
1: <laughs> wow well that's all right i mean you know if you're, you you got to do what you can be successful at mm-hmm. so it's hard to complain about it too much
0: well i or more to the point i guess i should say um n- you know not just run the ball but prevent the opponent from running the ball yes. like uh, you know oregon played at least one opponent byu um that um the that, that, that doesn't run the ball as effectively as they think they do. And that's unfortunate for them because A, they're sort of deluded about it. And B, that they sort of like premise much of their offense off of it. Like I feel like I was fairly clear in my articles about BYU that like they they establish the run in order to hit play action passes. And like Stanford also wants to do that. They also want to establish the run. They with the, that. That's the whole point of this, like slow mesh stuff is to get mm-hmm. you like this mesh is taking forever. And the linebackers are going to run up, you know, to, are, are going to, um, 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 you know, come down hard on the run. And then all of a sudden, Oh, this underneath throwing lane is open and you can hit that pass against them. And like the, you know, Oregon is going to need to, to resist taking that bait and to trust their defensive, you know, their front four, to um to to contain the run on their own and keep the linebackers and nickels you know back in coverage because that's really where the threat is tanner McKee throwing the ball is the threat um and you know so to, to the point of like To to your point of like, will this be another consecutive game in which Oregon does not take the opponent's rushing attack seriously because they don't think it's as good as the opponent thinks it is? Yes, I think that that is a very strong possibility for Stanford, Um, Mm -hmm. that they will simply um, not uh, be particularly scared of Stanford's run game and that, you know, that will... Um, make them better at defending the pass given that, and the pass is just much more scary, even though the efficiency numbers don't bear that out. The efficiency numbers say that their rushing offense is better than their passing offense. But I can tell you from watching the film, and again, I'm speaking from my gut here. This is right. like, this is from having watched a lot of Stanford film over the years. Like, no, I am telling you, the pass game is much more scary out of Stanford than the run game, and they, sh- they ought to, um, you know uh uh, uh, uh uh allocate their defensive resources in, in that manner
1: um yeah interesting well it should be a lot of fun to watch i hope uh i hope there's a nice uh, good evening crowd there mm. in the rock and roll yeah
0: it's going to be a late game it is um, yeah. really late uh, it's the it's the it's the last i believe it's the last fbs game of the day um, like there's nobody right, who God plays so. Not even Hawaii, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it is at home. Uh, Oregon owes the, the Oregon has only lost twice, um, since uh, uh, in the, at at home, um, uh, in the last five years, and one of them is Stanford in 2018. Um, so I feel like Oregon owes him a butt kicking. Like, I, I know that was a long time ago. In fact, I don't think there's anybody on the team, except for Kim McCormick. <laughs> right. Yeah. A couple of
1: the seventh year seniors. Yeah, I think, right. Like exactly. Her. Austin
0: Giramillo, I think, was a true freshman. Uh, yeah, no, there's, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for anybody who remembers that game, Oregon owes them a butt kicking. You know, yeah, they beat him in twenty twenty. That was a weird year. I still feel like a real butt kicking is coming. And uh, you know, and plus the fans weren't in the stands for that. So this will be the first opportunity for Oregon fans um to see in Otson uh Oregon defeat Stanford um for a long time. Um yes. so yeah, I really hope there's a good turnout. Um and I hope they're in a good lather. Uh yeah for it for yeah, you know. certainly
1: should be yeah all right i think that's going to do it for
0: us this week uh you have any parting words of wisdom for us slurms
1: uh just uh you know go ducks on the so- soccer and football fields or the football and football fields depending on uh, what part of the world you're from mm. this
0: week all right thanks for joining us everybody we'll catch you on the flip side